the Pharisees would tell you, as uh, Messiah's appearance approached, that the reason Messiah hasn't shown up yet is you people are so sinful and evil. If you quit your sinning, Messiah would come. And so I bring that to you with the idea that the salvation of America would come if you people would stop your sinning and speeding. Yeah, the little sins are what's keeping America on the highway to hell. But now I don't think that's true. But I was if I was a Pharisee and we were there, that's what they would be saying to you right now. Our lesson today is is about the idea of the way we win. And the Bible tells us how we win this battle we're in, this struggle we're in. And so let's pray as we get into that study today. Father, we are grateful for your word, for your life, for your your death, your resurrection, your ascension, your reigning on the throne. You're calling us to you and um, calling us out to your purposes. And uh, help us to see ourselves as equipped and ready for the work and the task you've placed before us. And, And may we embrace your truth. And let your Holy Spirit rule in our hearts and rule in this study. Empower me to deliver these words the right way. In the name of Jesus, amen. So we have been looking at the days of Lot, and I'm just going to read it briefly as a reminder to us that um, Luke 17, 28, Jesus speaks and he says it was the same in the days of Lot. People were eating and drinking, buying and selling, planting and building. But on the day Lot left Sodom, fire and sulfur, rained down from heaven, destroyed them all. And so it will be just like that on the day the Son of Man is revealed. On that day, let no one on the housetop come down to retrieve his possessions. Likewise, let no one in the field return for anything they have left behind. And that's a very important caveat from Jesus. It speaks to us directly. And one of the things we're going to get in today is this idea of knowing the times in which you live and being aware of the times in which you live because he holds his audience accountable for not knowing the times in which they live. Jesus held the people of Jerusalem accountable when he walked in or when he rode in that day on the triumphal entry. He wept over the city of Jerusalem when he said, how did you not know the time of Messiah? How did you not know the times of your visitation? It's important for us to know that I think there's a warning for us here in this, that when our time comes and that time is fastly approaching, these words better ring true in our ears that when that balloon goes up and they're calling for the Christians to be taken off to the prison camps, don't you go back to your house for anything. I don't care what it is or who it is, because these words of Jesus are true. They will be waiting for you to take you. Don't go there. Go to the place of refuge that Jesus sets aside for you because those days are coming. There's no way you escape a police state with the mechanisms and technology they have today. Remember Lot's wife goes right back to the story. He goes right back to the story. He goes right back to who am I talking about? and What were those circumstances? What was her circumstance? She turned back to that place. Don't turn back to that place. Whoever tries to save his life will lose it, but whoever will lose his life will preserve it. Jesus speaks in the great eternal exchange of what is valuable and what is not valuable, what is temporal and what is eternal. I tell you, on that night, two will be in one bed. One will be taken, the other will be left. Two women will be grinding together. One will be taken, the other will be left. 
speaks to the idea that, and there's a technology statement hidden inside of this. I'll remind you of it, that Jesus is speaking of a simultaneous event occurring at different places around the world. These activities he describes here in other passages, he describes three in other passages, and those activities in their culture would take place at three different times of day, which speaks to a globe, which has time uh, occurring at different moments. So summer will be asleep. Some will be in the early morning activities of the day. Some will be right in the middle of the day working hard. But this comes in one moment simultaneously around the world. And everyone should be aware and prepared for where they are. Don't let your oil be low. The attribute of God I want us to look at today's lesson. I've, Colonel Jim and I talked and I've kind of restructured the way I'm teaching this to you today. And I think it's going to be more effective for you. There's an attribute of God that we need to remember in all that we are experiencing right now. The, the, the Chinese say, may you live in interesting times. And you do live in interesting times. It is a blessing and a curse. But I also remind you that the Chinese character for crises is also the character for opportunity. So your moment in which you live now is not by happenstance or just some randomness. It is with purpose from God. And what is the attribute of God? We know God is all knowing. God is omniscient. God knows, God sees, God controls. In the it's all God's story, despite how you might feel at this moment, it's all God's story. I will bring these words of encouragement to you. They're in your notes, Isaiah 46, 8 through 11. I'm reading from the Berean Standard Bible. Remember this and be brave. Take it to heart, you transgressors. Remember what happened long ago, for I am God and there is no other. I am God and there is none like me. Declare the end from the beginning and the ancient times from what is still to come. I say my purpose will stand and all my good pleasure I will accomplish. Summon the bird of prey from the east, a man for my purpose from a far off land. Truly I have spoken and truly I will bring it to pass. I have planned it and I will surely do it. Yes, sir. What was that? What was that? Isaiah 48. Excuse me. Let me scroll up. Excuse me. 46, 8 through 11. Isaiah 46, 8 through 11. Yes, sir. Attitudes of God to Christians always forget that God has a sense of humor. Uh, we, we read the Bible so seriously. With this. God says, is my hand shortened that I cannot say how ridiculous and how absurd that is. You know, it's it, it, any person would absolutely laugh at it. And so Babylon B does add a little bit of humor to the Christian discourse when it says, like, for instance, a conservative wife uh, turned to look back at the uh, target and she turned into a pillar of salt. Remember <laughs> yeah. Lot's wife. You know, so, you know, we can laugh. But, you know, there's some truth in it as well. I'm yeah. sorry to derail you. No, 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 no. And that actually does, is in your notes today about the uh, paganization of America and Target and specifically how many billions of dollars they have lost since they have sided, openly sided with Satan. And I'm not making this up. The shirts say Satan on them and with the mutilation of our children. I, I, in America, in Charleston, Target. I mean, so there, there are two Americas going on right now. I don't understand this, how there's all this stuff happening, and people have no idea what's happening because, I don't know, I, I don't watch cable news. 
I don't watch cable news. I hardly ever listen to talk radio. And yet I am so aware of things that most people are not even aware of that it shocks me. Have you heard of the Sisters of Perpetual The Sisters of Perpetual Indulgence? Okay, that's 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 number three. There are three episodes today we're looking at that come up. Uh, Bud Light, Target, and the L.A. Dodgers. And you've got Nike now as well. But uh, to tell you the truth, you think we think of San Francisco as the maybe the headquarters of Wiccan and, and, and wickedness. Minneapolis is a close second, yeah. and that's the headquarters for Target. And you think Minnesota nice? No, Minneapolis is filled filled with the the Prince of Darkness, and uh, so so is San Diego and Southern California. But Minneapolis not far behind. Well, we're glad to be uh, a place where we used to think we're hardcore, uh, conservative, and they have been they've been taken over. Uh, well, I should say they've been controlled now, and the controlling entity has influence that is spread throughout. And all of a sudden, a city that used to be just completely conservative is now not conservative. Um, when we see it in states, the sisters of perpetual indulgence is a drag queen group that uh, was not just performed at the LA Dodgers, but were honored at the LA Dodgers. They're a complete affront to Catholics in particular because of the way they mock Christ, Christianity, the crucifix, uh, the priesthood, and uh, nuns, and things like that. They dress like nuns and they're, they're men dressed up like women there. And this was, this was honored by the LA Dodgers and they're losing, they, they're losing money now because of that. And it's, they're where we are. They so, all dance on a cross. You're going to make fun for games. This one is so far gone. You know, you could say one thing. Well, Target's just having a, a pride section. The Sisters of Perpetual Indulgence are so far gone um, that that eight years ago, you would have thought well, that's hate crimes against Catholics or hate crimes against the church that you would have because of, yeah. because they're mean, they're, they're mocking and making fun. If you turn around and you don't, you don't, and I, I don't want to get us all stirred up on this. Maybe that was your, your point, but if you mocked or made fun of a lot, yeah, yeah. You don't, anybody, do that you don't see anybody doing yeah. that. They'd burn it all down. A single book about it, and and you have riots all over the world, and de- and a death. Salmon Rush Day. Yeah, Salmon Rush Day. They don't go after that, but the sisters. Okay, so we know there's these weirdo groups out there. We got these right wing groups. We got these crazy left wing groups. We know there's these satanic groups. They're not. These are not new. They have been there. They have never, been ever, ever been celebrated. And that's When's where the last time you yeah. had saw government companies stand up going, the KKK is in Somerville. Everybody come out and celebrate. They're there. There's still KKK, little tiny groups of KKK here and there. Nobody's celebrating that. And 98% of the people in the world will go, yeah, that's bad. Well, you know, there, there's there's a little clan group of, of 14 up there in Ridgeville. Uh, there's not. I don't know that there is. Uh, there may be and there may not be. Yeah, there is. But, but nobody, they have to do it in secret. They have to hide. 
But now this is being celebrated and honored and being given awards, just like Caitlyn Jenner was given Times Person of the Year. Woman of the Year. Woman of the Year 10 years ago, a man, the Olympic decathlete, the world who decided she was a woman, he was a woman, and then was given an award for the person of the year. That was 10, probably 10, 12 years ago. So we need an answer for all of this. We can easily recognize the issues. We can see the paganization of America um, and the making of America into Sodom and Gomorrah, the reshaping of our culture. So where is our hope? Where is our power? Well, part of it is knowing what you are fighting. If you do not acknowledge who the enemy is and what you were fighting, you will never win the battle. We must commit and we must commit to winning this battle um, because the results of losing the land of liberty to the titans of tyranny, those stakes are just too high otherwise. Because we live in a physical realm while understanding that all of this is a spiritual battle and the implications are eternal. These go, this goes way past America. This goes into eternity. This battle for the soul of America is more than what you think because the little ticks on the wall that mark who's winning and who's losing those little measurements by which people are attributing who's in charge and who's taking one, whose team's advancing, those little ticks are the souls of people. That's eternal. That's the prize which we are struggling for. People who get but one chance, one lifetime to get it right. They don't get a do-over. They have one opportunity to get this right. And that lifetime after that light time, they meet God and they, they, they must accept the gift of mercy lived out in the life of Jesus Christ through his gospel. And that is the only chance they have for eternal survival. Yes, sir. Uh, I, I just want to change the flavor. I'm going to let you throw it, uh, speak to it. First of all, um, because the way you said that, um, and I know you know this, but I want to make sure. This is not our battle, per se. The battle's already been won. It was won at the cross. We are now engaged as warriors in what he calls us to do, not to win or lose the battle. That, that That's already been done. When he rose up out of the grave, the battle was won and it's over. But what he's called us to do is now you're getting down to the individuals that this should motivate us daily to remember how high the stakes are. That's all. It should motivate us that the enemy is present. That's maybe why I just reminded myself. 1974, we were going, hey, hey, hey. You could go back to 1934. Hey, hey, hey. You could go back to uh, 1056. Hey, hey, hey. This battle has been, been waged since the Garden of Eden. We're just the latest to be in it. And whether or not America 
to get saved or not saved is not the issue. It's those individuals that we are called to witness to. Now, here's the hard part, and this is what I want you to address. It's very easy for me to fight Target. How do I fight Target? Just don't go there. That's easy. How about how, and we've, we've talked about this in a couple of other classes, how much harder it is to fight your 14-year-old who won't listen to you. You're trying to warn them. You're trying to tell them. You're trying to use Target and the dark, uh, the Dodgers and the Sisters Perpetual Motion, uh, I mean, Perpetual Indulgence. You're trying to tell them about their games and stuff, but they don't hear it. And now I'm getting to where I was really going. When we go out, we have a calling on our lives. Go ye therefore into all nations. First, we disciple those who have made a choice. We teach and we exhort and preach. Those are, those are three callings we have. And those who are being saved. And so it gives you a different viewpoint to say, I will live my life. I will preach the gospel. I will know as much as I can know about how the enemy works and all that. And those who are, are being saved, those probably God's already called, will say, what are, you, what, what are you talking about? The others will just go behind, busy, busy, busy. They, they, they don't, you're going to yell at them all the way down the street, and they will never listen to you. God may have a guy at the end of the street. People used to say, well, I, I don't, I don't, you know, a guy down there on the street, he's preaching and yelling and screaming. I said, why do you care about what he's doing? He's there all day long, and I bet you he's going to talk to 15 people today, and he might get three or four to hear the gospel, and faith cometh by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. How many of you led Christ today? Or how many of you brought to the knowledge? Or how many of you told? Well, I, I mean, I talked to the lady at the, at the grocery store today. Okay, well, I talked to one. He talked to 68. He talked to 1,000, and 990 of them passed him by. That's the 10th so guy... He talked to 10 guys. So I let him do his work and I do my work. Karen will do her work. Mary will do her work. You'll do your work. There, there are people out there and that's the ones I think that, that I, I try. I, I, I don't know that I can save America or Target or the Dodgers uh, or Minneapolis. But, but I, I have a duty to elect good people in Somerville. That's what my, my duty is. But my real duty is, Lord, today there's somebody out there. There's somebody. Mm -hmm. And you're drawing them and you're calling them. And so I will know about Target and the Dodgers. Anyway, that was, it was more of a statement, but I'm throwing it back to you. We probably, I don't know that we can save Target. I don't think we have to save Target. CEOs save Target. One other thing Jesus says, by their deeds, you shall know them. Um, by their fruit. Do uh, you guys realize that in Cuba, 100% of everybody who resists the government is put into torture. They are raped. Yeah. They, pull, they put uh, rabid dogs on them. They subject them to poison experiments. And if they cannot uh, get that person to um, uh, convert or to, to, uh, to say, I'll, I'll accept this doctrine, 
uh, they go after their parents and their grandparents. Mm -hmm. One one person's a grand uh, grandmother lost her legs because of the persecution of the Cuban government. Cuba is Marxist. They sent two thousand people to Vietnam to torture. American prisoners, 2,000 people to adept, adept to torture, to torture American prisoners. President Trump finally called out what we're against uh, in North Carolina yesterday. He said, a Democrat Marxists. And that's what we are. And Marxism is satanic. <laughs> and that's your theme for the day. Marxism is satanic. By their works, you shall know them. That's what we're up against. My question to myself and to everybody else who's a Christian is, would you be willing to be as brave as these Cubans who stand up against this monolithic uh, satanic power and put their very bodies at, at risk uh, just to, to, to stand up for the truth? So we got to know another, this mm -hmm. is the, the, the bottom line, we got to know what we're up against as well. Satanic power is pretty mm -hmm. ter terrifying. And it's going to maybe sometime in your lifetime call you into question. Are you willing to take up the stand for Jesus Christ against this? So in your notes, um, both of y'all haven't read the notes, I know, but both of y'all have already cited things in the notes. So um, today I um, put it in the notes today and I sent it out on my truth channel, Church and State, um, and named it Satanic Forces in America, SFA. Because that's what we're fighting. We are fighting the satanic forces in America. And those forces may not even be aware of which side they're on and the work they're doing and who their commander truly is. It doesn't change the reality that they are the satanic forces in America. And that's who we are up against. Um, so the FFA, SFA. Um, the other thing is goes right to what you were talking about. The idea of the warrior that you are called to this, that is at the end of your notes, there is the uh, doctrine for today. We looked at the attribute of God. There's a doctrine at the end of your notes, and that is the priesthood of the believer. And that's not even going to be talked on today. That's at the end of your notes. If you got your email, please read through that. It's got all kinds of Bible references to thoroughly equip you with the idea and the knowledge that you have been chosen and called not just to salvation, but to the task of the moment. Ephesians 2, 8, 9, and 10 specifically is that you are called to his workmanship. He has created good works for you to do. He has manifested in you power through the Holy Spirit to do these things. Don't shy away from them. Our study today is a story in Mark chapter 9. In Mark chapter 9, kind of in the middle, in verses 14 through 22, um, we see this story of Jesus. And I'm going to start reading. In, I'm reading from the International Standard Version. In verses uh, 14, it starts like this. As they approached the other disciples... When Mark chapter 19, verse 14 is starting. As they approached the other disciples, they saw a large crowd around them and some scribes arguing with them. The whole crowd was very surprised to see Jesus and ran to welcome him. He, Jesus, asked the scribes, what are you all arguing about with them? And a man in the crowd answered him, teacher, I brought my son to you. He has a spirit that won't let him talk. 
whatever. It, it brings on a seizure and it throws him to the ground and then he foams at the mouth and he grinds his teeth and he becomes stiff. So I ask your disciples to drive out this spirit, but they didn't have the power. And Jesus told them, verse 19, you unbelieving generation, how long must I be with you? How long must I put up with you? Bring him to me. So they brought the boy to him. And when that spirit, that spirit saw Jesus, it immediately threw the boy into convulsions and he fell on the ground and he kept rolling around and foaming at the mouth. And then Jesus asked the father, how long has this been happening to him? And the father said, since he was a child, the spirit has often thrown him into fire and into water to destroy him. But if you are able to do anything, have pity on us and help us. And Jesus told him, if you are able, everything is possible for the person who believes. And with tears flowing, the child's father at once cried out, I do believe, help my unbelief. And when Jesus saw that a crowd was running to the scene, he rebuked the unclean spirit, saying to it, you spirit that won't let him talk or hear, I command you to come out of him. And never enter him again. And the spirit screamed and shook the child violently and came out. And the boy was like a corpse. And many said, oh, he's dead. But Jesus took his hand and he helped him up and he stood up. And when Jesus came home, his disciples asked him privately, why couldn't we drive the spirit out? And he told them, this kind can come out only by prayer and fasting. Now, look at your Bibles, chapter 9. What immediately preceded this episode in Mark, chapter 9? What happened? What happened right before these verses? What's the first part of the chapter about? The transfiguration of Jesus Christ himself. Now, what is that? That is the revealing of the majesty of the Son of God with the witness of the Trinity, the presence of the Spirit, the voice of the Holy Spirit, the law by the presence of Moses, the prophets by the appearance of Elijah, and the inner circle of Jesus' disciples, Peter, James, and John, are all there, and they witness this It happens. There could be no doubt in the minds of these disciples as they're walking back up to this camp who they're following. They have witnessed the ripping open of space-time to glimpse the eternal world. And then that glimpse, they see the manifestation of Moses and Elijah and the reality that is so present with them that Peter says what? It's so real to him. He goes, well, these guys are here. We need to participate in the festivals going on right now. Let's build booths for all of us, okay? And, and, and I'll build one for you, Jesus, and one for Moses, and one for Elijah. They hear the voice of the Father. They see the, the white smoke that fills the temple in Revelation 15 and 8. And yet, all these witnesses to the validity of the person of Jesus and the identity of the Son of Man, immediately after all this, waiting back at the disciples' camp, what do Jesus, Peter, James, and John see? The forces of Satan still assaulting people, 
harming people, seeking to destroy lives, breaking up families, and tearing down faith. The boy's dad, this father, had come to the right source for help. But based on past experience, the father has doubts. And why? Why would the father doubt the ability of Jesus to do anything to be able to change the situation, to stop the self-destructive behavior. It's because those who had been delegated with direct authority from Jesus to act in the place of Jesus had failed to help this family. Why are you arguing? Verse 16. We need to stop fighting with each other, with other believers. We need to start praying with other believers. We must join forces galvanized around the power of the gospel of Jesus, or we will be debating our theological differences from prison camps for Christians. Look at the admonition of Jesus to his followers in verse 19. Jesus told them, you unbelieving generation, how long must I be with you? How long must I put up with you? Bring him to me. Remember the words of Jesus. We talked about this earlier. Entering into Jerusalem, the people, we have a responsibility for knowing where we are, in the time calendar of God, of knowing what's going on around us and what our responsibilities are in this situation. Jesus, the church in America needs to recognize where we are. Our days are short. We should be driven to press in harder, like you were saying, against the satanic forces in America. Jesus reminds the Father in verse 23 If you are able, if you are able, everything is possible for the person who believes. And the reality of our situation is the church in America is epitomized in verse 24 with tears flowing. The child's father at once cried out, I do believe, help my unbelief. Our heart is breaking for America. We love our tears are flowing for those we love who are controlled by these satanic forces in America. And our prayers are hit and miss. We feel as powerless as the disciples of Jesus to help that man in that situation. And yet Jesus is not powerless. Jesus is not hopeless. Jesus still commands the situation that exhibits his authority over the satanic forces. I want you to see the story with new eyes. See the concerned father as the church in America. And I want you to see that child as the American populace. And the the tears that we have as we look out on the landscape of culture and society and news and events today, and it breaks our heart because we love this place. We love these people. And we only want them to be saved. We need to be turning people to Jesus and pleading with Jesus for this destruction to stop. We have not come to our... Our leadership in our church has been after this, chasing this, like you say, I remember as a boy in 1979 when Jerry Falwell started the Moral Majority, and he went around to every capital of every state in America and had rallies trying to call Christians out of the shadows and into the into the marketplace of ideas to, to go to politicians and say, what you're doing is wrong. You need to be doing what the Bible says and what is right. And as and we prayed 2 Chronicles 7, 14 through 15. And for our land to be healed. And now we're at this point where when Jesus enters the camp of the disciples, who's arguing? The scribes. 
the lawyers. And where are we right now in our culture? The lawyers are arguing and controlling everything and arresting people, committing lawfare. And the disciples, the leaders of Jesus, what are they doing? Not doing it. And we're all weeping. The common followers of Jesus. We're moved to tears of desperation with one another because we want to save the ones we love from the satanic forces. Yes, sir. I have a personal dilemma in that I understand what you're saying, but I also understand that this battle is already won. And I find myself conflicted on staying here and fighting and having Jesus come in the next five minutes and being lifted into paradise. So I have, I find it a struggle within myself to want to stay here and engage in the battle because it breaks my heart. I think the disciples, Paul, have that same struggle. It just, it's not a, it just, I'm so ready to be with the Lord, but it's so icky to be here, you know, and, 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 and somebody was saying, you know, like you were saying in Cuba, you know, how, how is our faith going to stand up to something like that? I have no idea how mine's going to be. I have, you know, unless the Holy Spirit comes with the, you know, the gift of, of faith. Um, he will. I, I just, I just promise. He will. I, I've thought about these things. The promises of God are true and altogether righteous. So we're going to cling to the promises. And if he throws us in jail, this is right where we should be. And uh, um, I'm, I'm, a lot of my things are filtered through my grandson being in jail. And the lawyer didn't give him great news. And so we had to go, oh, 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 oh. we have good news. Oh, no, now we have bad news. So wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. We made our decision a long time ago. God's in control. He's in control of any situation that happens. So if I get thrown in jail, I'm like Paul. I preach from jail. And then I preach the joy book on jail that says, Can we all joy, my brethren? He says, There's people in here who I'm getting to witness to. Now there's a different take on being in jail. And that was a bad jail. A very bad so, prison. Yeah. So, so I, I think it's it's um Again, we have to yield, I believe. We're close, man. No, no, no. I mean, you and I, almost everybody in this room except for Kelly, and, and who even knows? I drove outside my, my, my uh, neighborhood today on the way here, and when I got to the light at 8, eight o'clock in the morning, fire trucks and cars, another smash right at my light. They're, they're every day now because they keep running this red light. And the ambulance was there taking people away. And I'm going, well, I don't know if they've got a chance anymore. But 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 whether I stay or whether I go is not my call. And I have to leave my yield to God and say, you've left me alive today. Let me engage today. And let me do it with a joy with a power, with a sternness, with a soberness of mind. Be you sober, be you vigilant. 
and let me do it with what you've given me. If I play golf this afternoon, let me play golf and enjoy the day. If I work all day, let me work all day. If God brings somebody to me, let me witness or minister to them. And then at the end of the day, say, Lord, this was the day you have made. And and you'll bring me home just exactly when you want it. Yeah, but see, that's the mark. Reaching the mark, I'm here trying to get there. That's my struggle. Well, I'm not saying sure. anywhere. And that's, that's all of our struggles. Yes, sir. That is everybody's yeah. You're never your faith is never going to be like a gold bar, ninety-nine point ninety-nine percent pure. It will not. It will always be alloyed by doubt. And so when we live by the promise, we live by the promise, we hang by God's word. Here's just hang by the promise. So just regarding what if I get persecuted to the point where I'm just terrified and I might give up the faith? You hang by the promise. The Spirit's going to give you at that time everything you need to resist. Um, and uh, when Jesus, uh, when Jesus hears this man's prayer, uh, I believe help my unbelief. The guy realizes I have to live by something coming outside of myself to me. My belief is not self-generated. It is uh, a gift uh, in response to my prayer and my need. Um, so it's a great comfort uh, at age six seventy six to um, uh, I'm with you, which I can believe better, you know. Uh, but God says, "Get over it, Toso. Uh, you live by the promise, and it's been, uh, if we're in the not yet, you're not there yet. So uh, just live by my promise. I'm faithful." So I just told my brother uh, uh, Joel yesterday. I said. Um, Christian certainty is not arrived at by a uh, formula. I said, you have to go through hell, and then every time you go through hell, you discover God's faithful, and you grow in your certainty because God pulled you out of yet another one. His grandchild was born at 24 weeks and didn't know whether everything was going to It's so far we've been praying for a little fire is now three pounds. And she might be getting out of the hospital in the next couple of weeks. But I said to Joel, there you go. Um, the whole family came together in prayer. Uh, our church was involved in that prayer. And God is faithful. You learn yet again, by going through hell, mm-hmm. that your faith is really built by crises. And there is no other way. Actually, there is no other way to build faith. Uh, Jesus asks so many times in the Gospel of, of Mark, uh, have you no faith? You know, he says, uh, you, you little faiths, you know, how long am I going to have to bear with you? That question is addressed to us, not just as a, a, a metaphor in the gospel. How long, do I, how long do I have to be with you? How long do I have to bear with you? And you answer, I guess until I die, you know. Yeah. Uh, so we live by the promise. God is faithful. His word is going to win the victory, already has, but we still are going to witness other victories that come through the word alone. Mm-hmm. Before the Israelites went into Egypt, they were looking for something. Then they went into Egypt for 400 years. And while they were in Egypt, it was bad news, but they were looking for a deliverer. Then the deliverer came. The deliverer did his thing. And now they were in the desert looking for, for something. Then God delivered him from that. I, I believe we live in the desert. That's what we've we crossed the Red Sea. We're going to the promised land. That's a kind of an illusion. 
So the desert is hot. The desert, sometimes there's not any water. There's sometimes there's no food. Sometimes there's snakes. There, there's things in the desert, but they were still alive. But then they got into Israel and there was fights and wars and battles. So even when they, quote, reached the earthly promised land, it wasn't. So that's why I stopped my analogy to say we live, we're out of the there, but this is the desert. <clears throat> and we are going through the desert to get to the ultimate problem slam, which scripture would describe as our heavenly home. We have a heavenly home. This is not our, 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 our residence. So we are here sojourning through the desert, trying to tell people, I know where the water is. I know where the brass serpent is. I know where the healing comes from. I know where the food is. Come follow me and I will lead you to the one who can heal your disease and heal your mental problems and heal your stuff. I, I'm not the one, but yeah. I can lead you to, and, and I'm going there, so come on with me. I'm going there. We'll go together. We'll walk arm in arm, and we'll go together. That's the whole point of this. It is, very much so. Um, so um, Negro spirituals are the ones that really emphasize crossing the Jordan. So mm-hmm. this Pilgrim's Progress, which emphasizes our current location. We are in the desert, and we're facing enemies all the way around, which you enumerated. You never know which one's coming at you every day. It's for hunger, thirst, enemies. Uh, uh, all sorts of things are against us, but God is for us. He is in, in for, the, for the Jews. He was the pillar of fire by uh, day and a pillar of fire by night and cloud by day, and they circled around and when that moved, they moved so we do not have the external presence of Jesus, but we have the Holy Spirit who has been put within us to lead us through to the promised land. Yep, absolutely. So I want to give you, as we close out today in our final couple of minutes here, six edifying ideas for you today. Um, the first one is that the satanic forces in America, the SFA, they are pressing harder and people are beginning to see it and reject it. Um, in your notes, I cite the numbers. Let me see if I can get to those. Uh, Bud Light, after embracing um, their transgenderism, they've lost $27 billion. Target has lost $13 billion. That's a lot of money. Just so you know, for um, when we were growing up, if you were a millionaire, you were considered to have made it, Right. So if a billionaire walks through the door into the room, essentially he's walking through with the power of a thousand millionaires. Okay. That's a lot of multiplication. And then you go into the scale of tens of billions of dollars. That's a lot of loss. So people are waking up. They are becoming alert, becoming aware. The most, uh, one of the most encouraging stories, which I didn't put in your news has happened this uh, past week in school board meetings and of all places is Los Angeles, California, where the Armenian Christian community is rising up and confronting all this insanity at their school boards and saying, you're not going to do all this sexualization to our children. It's not going to be in this curriculum. It's not going to be in the library. And you're going to take it out. The Muslims are joining with the Christians in the same way and saying, no, we will not stand for this to be done to our children. This is against our faith. So we do see promising 
head headways, some places where things are people are waking up and pushing back. I will tell you this. Um, if you think of it like this, when and I, I will say this because I, I live this. When a person and a man is asleep and they are struggling for air and they make a loud noise, it wakes themselves up. They're snoring, essentially. And they get to a and they wake up. In that moment that that person who has been sleeping wakes up and they struggle for air, there's a couple things that can happen. They can either wake up completely or they can fall back asleep. Our culture right now has been asleep. <gasps> and right now it's woken up, not even realizing the air has been taken away from them and they're suffocating. And in that moment of arousing themselves, of coming up out of that slumber for a moment, we have an opportunity to speak something to them that can bring them completely out of their sleep and awaken them to action. Ours is to be equipped for that, to be ready for that, for those opportunities to speak those things. Now, we must steal our resolve and remain true to the word. As the satanic forces in America move to criminalize centuries-old biblical beliefs of Christians. And this is happening right now in California. The state of California is trying to outlaw the preaching and public recitation of certain passages of the Bible. It's happening. Be ready. It's in Canada the same way. And we need to have a rock-solid faith in the inerrancy of the Scripture. And that's the first step to holding that line. As Paul would put it, to stand is the word he uses, is to stand. Now, the fourth thing I would say to you this is remind you that the gospel of the merciful grace of Jesus Christ is the only hope for our lost neighbors, co-workers, families, and friends. Jesus is the only hope in this whole equation. And that's where our conversation always has to go back to the cross. Fifth, our most effective weapon for the battle we are engaged in. And it doesn't matter whether you say, I'm not going to fight this struggle or not. You're born into it. You're called into it. You're in it. The only question is if you're a good soldier. Prayer and fasting. We must learn to fast and to pray. We must learn that. We must practice that. It needs to be part of our DNA. It needs to be part of our Christian experience. Jesus said, when you fast. He did not say, if you fast. Jesus said, when you fast. This is how you do it. Sixth thing I say is this. We look to the past for inspiration to carry us into the future. And I'll close with the words and remind you of the Diet of Worms and Martin Luther. The here I stand and I can do no other, so help me God. I want to get this quote exactly right. I'll say two things. The other thing is this. Um, the American president, uh, John Adams, said this. Our Constitution was made only for a moral and religious people. It is wholly inadequate to the government of any other. The Diet of Worms in 1521 commanded uh, to repudiate his writings. He stood alone, Martin Luther did, with his conscience, and he was arrayed against an incredible power and authority around him. Powerful clergy, the whole papacy was up against him. The All kinds of statements. The emperor himself was there. 
And the official transcript says this. Martin Luther quoted as saying this, unless I am convinced by scripture and plain reason, I do not accept the authority of popes and councils because they have contradicted each other. My conscience is captive to the word of God. I cannot and will not recant anything for to go against the conscience is neither right nor safe. So help me, God. Here I stand. I can do no other. So help me, God. Amen. And that is where we are supposed to be. Let us pray. Father, we are grateful that you have given us clear examples of every situation we ever face in life through your word. We thank you for the gift of your word, the way you've preserved it, the way you bring it to us so that we can hear from you and let you speak into our lives every day in our situations. Help us to be faithful in our times of trial, to have faith. Lord, I believe, help my unbelief. Let that be our prayer and let your spirit be in us to witness those opportunities, to speak in those opportunities and to proclaim your word as your Holy Spirit gives it to us in those times so that others may experience your gospel and be rescued from the flames of hell for all eternity. In the name of Jesus, amen.